What is going on, guys, and welcome to another episode of the 5-1 Formation Podcast. You're listening to a double segment, La Liga and Serie A. My name is Alex Carabat, so I'll be your host for today. I'm joined by Antonio. Say what's up. What's up, man? Everything going good? We're here in uh, in lockdown again. Well, whatever. Cold red, so uh, we ain't allowed being being together in a house. So Unfortunately. Shit Skype. <laughs> that's it. Then it's going to be like this. You, you, uh, yeah, it's going to be like this for a little while. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, this no, is this is how it's going to be, though. It's going to be us cutting each other off the hey, whole man, fucking we way. Gotta, we got to give content to our fans, so we got to do what we got to do. Oh, yeah. You, you know, uh, you know, we got to get this done, man. We're not going to stop as long as there's a league still in action. We're Absolutely. Gonna... Absolutely. Let's get right into it, though. So we're going to start off with... Uh, La Liga. So Real Madrid um, disappointing against lower table teams, it seems. And they get two wins, but only three goals against Valladolid and Levante. The second goal against Levante came very late from a Benzema goal in the 95th minute. Uh, But from what I saw, I was very excited to see that Asensio got a start alongside Benzema and Vinicius. Mm -hmm. So the second I saw that, I said, wow, this is a very strong uh, front three. But... The question here is, should Zidane be concerned about his attack? Listen, uh, you got to take the positive out of both games. They got clean sheets. But once again, they're against lower table teams. Levante and uh, and Valladolid, man. Uh, it's, it's not impressive wins, to say the least. You want to see a juggernaut like Real Madrid crush these teams at least 3-0 three, three each. And uh, like you said, man, it's all like they had, uh, like they didn't have players up top. They had their veteran Benzema both games, uh, Vinicius and Asensio that got the start last game against Levante. Uh, so as I could see over here, man, uh, last game, Real Madrid, they got 13 shots total, but only three hit the target. It's not impressive numbers over there. So yeah. if I am Zidane, I am a bit concerned. Uh, why isn't my attack clicking? Is it? Me, should I change tactics, change formation? I don't know. Uh, it's he, He's got to question these things because they aren't impressive wins. You know? I, def- I definitely agree with you in the sense where because he has that firepower now with Vinicius and Asensio coming off the flanks, uh, they should have been able to put more goals. So I think there is something missing um, and they're looking for it. And, and that's why I keep kind of saying how Hazard was supposed to be that guy. And I keep kind of shitting on him a bit. Maybe I do it a little too much. But that's exactly what they're missing. They're missing that when Hazard is at the top of his game, he would be the difference for that. And he would provide that attacking threat for them. Well, let's remind everyone that he is injured. He, he's going through a muscle injury. Uh, they didn't specify what. Uh, it's something in his thigh. And, uh, you know, he's injured. And hopefully when he does get back from injury, he could prove that he's going to do better than uh, compared to last year and, and prove that he could be that attacking threat that uh, that they need, you know? So, I don't know. Hopefully when he does come back, uh, he does prove everybody wrong. And uh, we'll see what the number seven for Real Madrid uh, could do, man. Exactly. And and let's not forget, he did openly come out and say and admitted that uh, last season was the worst season of his career. 
And even for me, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I saw that and I'm like, okay, he's realizing that he's so much bigger than than what last season showed and that he could do so much more on the pitch. And the fact that he openly admitted that, it means that he's ready to take on and, and come back much stronger. Yo, man, that's why I was so excited to see what he was going to do at the start of the season. But he's been suffering with this uh, nagging uh, muscle injury and... Uh... Hopefully, he could come back soon. And like I said, hopefully, he could prove to the world what he's capable of in La Liga, in Real Madrid. Absolutely. So, we'll be patient enough to see what happens there. Uh, let's move on to another giant in uh, La Liga. So, uh, Barcelona had a big test on Sunday uh, versus Sevilla, and they tied the game uh, 1-1. So, they failed the test, couldn't penetrate Sevilla's defense after Coutinho's goal. You want to get a bit into it on your side? Yeah, listen... Um... I, I raved about Sevilla last uh, last episode when I was talking about uh, their game against Bayern Munich in the in the Super Cup uh, European Super Cup. So we knew that Sevilla is a side not to fuck around with. We knew that their defense is top of the line, and uh, for me, Barcelona was just flat. That's all I have to say. They were they were flat all game. Um, The reason why we say they didn't pass the test is because they didn't really threaten Sevilla's goal all too much, you know? Sevilla played uh, great defense. Lopetegui had had two lines of defense with the defensive line and the midfielder line, and Barcelona was just struggling, man. Uh, I don't know what else to say. They they came off a win against uh, Celta Vigo 3-0 midweek with a long glare red card before halftime. So it was looking very optimistic from there, especially that that game midweek, it was torrential rains, fucking high winds the whole game. And we looked amazing. But I think this game proved that back-to-back games for Barcelona is going to be a bit tough because they did look flat. They did look fatigued. And correct me if I'm wrong, Messi did play that whole game midweek versus Celta, right? Played the whole game, and he played the whole game against uh, Sevilla as well, man. So that kind of begs the question, should Komen continue playing Messi full games or give him some rest, you think? I think that uh, Komen should look at what Juventus did with Ronaldo last year. And Juventus weren't shy to keep him on the bench some games, even not even include him on the bench other games. Messi is aging. He's 33 years old. And uh, to to ask him to play two tough games back-to-back, full 90, it's a tough ask. And the reason why I say this is because against Sevilla, he was walking the whole game. Walking. Every time he lost the ball, he would just raise his hands and look at the other player go. Do you really want that from your captain? Do you really want that? After him losing a ball, he doesn't chase after the dude. And this is so I was new. looking at the whole, yeah, we, we all knew he like especially the last three, four years, he's been aging, he's taking it more easy, and he only uses that those uh those bursts of speed for his attacking play, like he did against Celta. Celta was like a totally different messy. He was attacking, he was beating defenders. You also have to say it's a different opponent, arguably a weaker one, but still, he just looked totally different in the Sevilla game. And I honestly think it's because he was tired he was walking the whole time bro i was astonished 
No, it's uh, look again, like we said before, uh, it, it's not new to us that Messi has this this kind of attitude towards the game sometimes. Um, but I just hope that you know he kind of finds that passion for it again and maybe that love again for for the squad and for for uh, for the club. Um, but my question also was uh, about Rakitic. Uh, because he was someone that, that kind of popped in my head because it was the first time he played Barca after leaving just recently yeah. uh, to go back to Sevilla. And how did you feel about his game? Uh, he was all right. Uh, he was bossing the midfield, uh, controlling uh, controlling their offense and defense. And uh, no, he had a pretty good game, man. Honestly, uh, I'm, I'm so happy for Rakitic. I'm happy that he went back to the club that he loves so much. And... Uh, no negative things to say about him. This was his first time back in the Camp Nou. He was clearly happy to be back, you know, even though he was on the opposite side of the pitch. And uh, no, nothing but positive things to say, man. And um, uh, little shout out for Rakitic. He scored late uh, in the last goal. Uh, he scored, sorry, he scored late in the last game that Sevilla had played before the Barca won. Uh, so it's nice to see him on the score sheet. And I feel that with Sevilla, He's going to have so much more opportunity to get that production because he's going to be playing every week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's playing the, if not the full 90, he plays at least 60, 70 minutes, and he's going to get that start every single game. Absolutely. Every single game. Absolutely. So uh, there's, there's no doubt that I think him and the rest of the Sevilla squad, alongside Lopetegui as coach, they're going to do great, great things, man. They're going to... I think they're going to surprise a lot of people uh, in La Liga. And I'll say uh, they're going to be the dark horse in, uh, in the Champions League, man. Because the thing, the thing with Sevilla, the first thing that comes to my mind now when I think about them is their loss of uh, uh, Sergio Reguillon to, uh, to Tottenham. And he was such an integral part uh, in their squad last season and how, how strong they were. So that's, that's where I'm kind of curious about the squad. I want to see how they're going to do without him. I want to see if he was that important to them. Yeah, uh, Regulon and um, and uh, Benega as well left the, 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 left the team. He was an integral part of the midfield. Uh, I mean, Sevilla did replace uh, that left-back position with Acuna from um, from Benfica, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, we, we could check that out, but I knew, I know he, come, he came from uh, Portugal. And uh, listen, just not the same player, man. He doesn't provide the same, nowhere near the same creativity as Reguillon did on that uh, yeah. on that left uh, back position. So uh, you're going to see a big change there on that Absolutely. flank. Absolutely. For sure. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on Sevilla definitely as they c- continue to try and climb up the ladder. Uh, let's move on to uh, another squad uh, that we were maybe a bit too excited about. So Atletico back to their boring ways. 0-0 ties versus... Um, Uesca, correct me if I'm wrong if I pronounce that uh, horribly. Yeah, Uesca midweek. <laughs> Uesca midweek and uh, Villarreal on Saturday. So uh, Luis Suarez did get the start uh, in both those games. But my question is, were we too quick to say that this season was going to be different compared to last season for Atletico? Or is this just a bump in the road? I, uh, I honestly thought Suarez in the squad would be uh, providing that that attack that they were so desperately missing last season. But these two games, listen, against Villarreal, you have that excuse. They're also fighting for a top four position. Of course, they're going to try shutting down at Atletico Madrid. 
But bro, listen to this. Atletico Madrid versus Villarreal had 13 total shots. Zero fucking balls on target, bro. How do you want to score? How do you want to score like that? I just... I don't understand. Uh, I think we did get a bit too excited. And I think it's going to be the same story as last year, man. Two back-to-back ties. Nil-nil. And one of them was midweek against Huesca. Fans, tell me if you know who Huesca is. Tell me if you know geographically where they are in Spain. Like, (laughs) honestly, man. You like... Okay, Villarreal, whatever, understand. But against Huesca, you got to put them in, man. Got to put them in back of the net. Especially with Suarez, Diego Costa, Joao Felix. Come on, man. They have no excuses there. I'm so sorry from, to say. From what I saw, because I, I only was able to watch the highlights for the Villarreal game. But from what I saw was I was able uh, to see that Suarez just ha- didn't have his shooting boots on. Like every time he would shoot the ball, it would go wide left, wide right. Uh, he just couldn't hit the target whatsoever. So it could be just a bump in the road, and that they're gonna once he finds his shooting boots, they're gonna kind of just go on this this crazy streak. Uh, but I think I'm being a little too optimistic with Atletico because we have seen them in the past where we get excited for a bit, and then they just kind of let us down with just an insane amount of ties. I think last season they got like ten ties in the entire season. I think uh, and, more than that, 14, if, bro. Yeah, and if not more than that. So uh, it's tough to say right now. Uh, I'm a, I am think we're, we're both huge uh, Luis Suarez fans, and we know what he can do. He is a bit on the older side, but he's at a new club now, uh, and I feel like he's a bit uh, rejuvenized in a sense where he can, prov- he can provide 20 goals a season. I really believe he can still do that. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, uh, I have no doubt in my mind as well, that he could definitely hit that 20 mark. And hopefully for him on that personal level, it is just a bump in the road. He had a shit week. You know, he couldn't get them on target. But what I have to say is that guys like Joao Felix and Diego Costa, when Suarez isn't putting them in the back of the net, they got to step up, man. Come on. Diego Costa came off the bench against Valladolid and uh, Villarreal. They got to step up. Yep. You know, they're fresh legs against an opponent who's been playing already 60 minutes at that point. And, uh, like, come on. You got you to gotta help out Luis when he's not on his uh, game. You know what I'm saying? I agree. Where, and you're right, because in a sense where last season when Diego would come off, uh, maybe there wasn't someone like Suarez, obviously, uh, that, would, that would come on and provide that pressure. Whereas now they have... Diego Acosta and Luis Suarez both providing the full 90 minutes their absolute best, or at least that's what we think that they should be doing. Um, and I think that's what you're trying to say is that when Diego came on, maybe he, like he just wasn't able to hack it. You know what I mean? So I really hope uh, for them anyways, uh, that it is just a bump in the road because uh, if I have to go through a whole season of watching them tie half the season, it's it's going to be rough, you know, and we said last episode, Luis Suarez is going to be that attacking help. And yep. uh, fuck, it just didn't happen this week. Hopefully it is a bump in the road. Uh, but before we leave La Liga, I just wanted to shout out because we are a Northern American podcast. Uh, massive shout out to Serginho Dest being the first American player to play for Barcelona. 
And he's not the only American player on the squad. There's also Conrad De La Fuente. He didn't get to play yet, but two Americans in Barcelona. And uh, I just want to give a massive shout out to that, to those two players, to Canada, to the United States for being active to, to have these types of players in Europe that are making an impact. Because Serginho Dest, okay, we won't lie, he did grow up in, uh, in the Netherlands. He does speak with the Dutch accent when he speaks English. But nonetheless, he plays for that American badge whenever he goes on uh, international duty. So I think it's something to look forward to for the Americans. Him, Reina, um, Pulisic. Uh, name? Pulisic. <laughs> I was about to say Perisic again, bro. <laughs> you saved I me think, there. I think, I think uh, Weston McKennie is one of them too. Weston McKennie. Can't forget about him. They're looking like they're going to have a solid squad of players in the future. So uh, very happy to see that. Very good for North American soccer. And uh, yeah, Serginho Desman came on for uh, Jordi Alba, played left back out of position, usually plays right back. And uh, he impressed, bro, for those uh, couple of minutes. He impressed me. He's looking good. I'm happy. I'm happy to hear that. And uh, I think that was the best way to end off the uh, La Liga segment. Uh, so let's get right into the City A segment of this episode. Um, yes, sir. So Juventus I versus Napoli. I got, I got. So Juventus versus Napoli. Uh, the game uh, was put to a halt because uh, Napoli, the squad, did not show up to the game uh, due to certain players catching COVID-19. And it was just announced nine hours ago that Juve Napoli... Um, or the decision for that game was uh, postponed by a, a sports judge. So right now it's kind of up in the air, whereas it's either going to get postponed to a different date or it's going to be uh, Napoli forfeiting and then they're going to lose 3 nothing on the, um, on the standings, essentially. So uh, do you feel as if Napoli deserved to be handed the 3 nothing loss due to this or should the game be postponed? If they're handed a loss for doing the right thing, in such a serious uh, situation, then I'll be very upset personally. Uh, they don't deserve the loss. I think Napoli did the right decision by not flying because, bro, if two squad players have COVID, who knows if other players have it in their body as well? You know, obviously nobody else tested positive, but it doesn't mean that they could transfer. Uh, yep. It doesn't mean that they can't transfer the the virus as well. So I think Napoli made the right decision uh, in not traveling to Torino and possibly infecting uh, Juventus staff, Juventus players. So honestly, if they get a loss for this, then um, I'm going to have to message uh, the Serie A directors myself because uh, that's fucking ridiculous if that happens. So there was two things I wanted to say when I thought about uh, what happened here with this game. So the first thing that came to my mind is obviously the same way that, that you kind of approached it was that it's, it is a smart decision to not go because you don't know if you could be affecting other uh, people, if you're going to affect others with the COVID-19. Like you have no idea if you have it, even like, like you said, they were maybe tested uh, negative, but it's just it's smarter to not fly that day. And they made, they made the, the right decision, I think, personally. But when you look at other leagues, for example, I want to bring up how 
Sadio Mane in, in the English Premier League was tested with COVID-19, as was uh, Thiago. And, and th- they didn't postpone any matches. All they did was left them out of the squad. So I think there's two ways of looking at it where, yes, it's an unfortunate that one of your, your starting players got the, the COVID-19. But should that mean that you have to you, you can't play someone else in his stead, as Liverpool did in their game? So you're saying that Napoli possibly uh, didn't fly because they were scared that they didn't have enough players type of thing or like... I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying that they if they had the option to do that, like what do you think could have been the, the reason? Obviously they could have went there and like not given a shit, right? But um I don't know. I I I'm not going to turn back on my decision to say that it was the right decision on ter- in terms of Napoli staying at home. Yep. And um once again, I'm not backing away from saying it would be unfair if they got the loss. That's that's how I'm gonna end it. I'm not no, gonna that's, my words. That that's fair. That's fair. I, I agree with you. Like I said, it's just um, at the same time they made their own decision. They didn't have to do what Liverpool did and just continue on with the games. Obviously, um, so they made their own decision. And if they stick by it, I'd be happy. Like you know, it's it is what it is. Uh, and uh, hopefully, it just gets postponed because I personally, as a sports fan, would love to see that game. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. We'd be we'd be robbed of a massive game if uh, if they gave the win to Juventus. That's another great point. Like uh, this is an amateur football over here. You know, yep. this is an amateur calcio. It's uh, it's professional. And listen, we're in a weird situation, bro, that we've been trying to deal with the whole year. It wouldn't be fair to 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 hand them the loss. Just postpone the game, and uh, yeah. I completely agree. Um, uh, what what I wanted to say though, sorry, was go for uh, it. we'll see what happens uh, to Aston Villa if they uh, if one of their players catches COVID. Mm. <laughs> now that you mentioned that, yeah. so we'll be the judge uh, of that in a week's time or two. So yeah, because because we'll uh, Thiago and Sadio did have it, but they obviously didn't travel with the team. They haven't been around them, but you just don't know if when more tests come out, more results come out, if someone ended up having it on Liverpool, they ended up playing. There's just too many things going on right now. Uh, so that's that's a good point. You never know if maybe some money caught it from that game. So we'll, we'll find out. Uh, so Atalanta played Lazio in the midweek. Uh, both fullbacks, Gosens and Hatibor, got on the score sheet as Atalanta were just too much for Lazio. With only 39% uh, 39% possession throughout the game, they made the most out of their chances. Alejandro Gomez proving to be their MVP as uh, Josip Ilicic continues to be absent from the lineup. So Atalanta just firing on on all uh, cylinders. And my question to you is, can we expect this firepower every single week from Atalanta? Listen, uh, they did it last year. How many games did they get over three goals a game? Uh, I think this is Atalanta c- continuing their, their pace from last season and not letting up. Uh, I say, yes, we can see this game in and game out from Atalanta. Uh, they're one of the most entertaining squads to watch in uh, Serie A right now. And if you haven't watched an Atalanta match, jump on that ship boys and girls because uh they're great great so entertaining to watch papu gomez is papa 
That's all I have to say. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I, honestly, for them to wreck Lazio the way they did, four goals against Lazio. Lazio came top three last season, as did Atalanta, right? Yep. Anyways, bro, they can't suffer a blowout loss like this, like, like against a com- uh, competitor for top four. I agree. I agree. And I'm going to stick with you and say that, yes, we can expect uh, this firepower just simply <laughs> off the fact that uh, in terms of their depth for attacking options, they have one of the greatest uh, groups of attacking players that I've seen in a while. Um, and just off the top of my head, you have um, Zapata, you have Muriel, you have Papu Gomez, you have Ilicic when he comes back, you have Malinovsky, you have um, Mario Pasalic. Like a lot of these guys just unreal altogether when they play. And even if like we were, if someone were to say to that question, maybe if one of them drop off, the other guy's just going to come and do the exact same thing that he was providing. So um, great stuff to see. Don't forget, Atalanta, they, like you said, they did beat Lazio, who's a top three, top four competitor. And it was a 4-1 win. So for me, that tells insane. me that they're, they're just – it's insane. It's nuts. Uh, I will – you made a great point by saying, like, if, if one dude drops from uh, Atalanta squad, you know, another player is going to get their back and, and they, because they play as a unit, right? Yeah. They play so great as a unit. But I do have to say one thing against that statement is that if Gomez drops from the squad, they're going to have a tougher time. I'm not saying they're going to lose, but they're going to have a tougher time getting those goals because he is – the master of puppets on this squad. He's the one who ties these passes together, puts in the goals himself sometimes, and he's just uh, an insane player at the moment for the past uh, season, uh, two seasons, man, and this season including. It's uh, it's very fun to see, man. Very fun. He's off. Uh, he's off to a flying start this season. He's their captain. He's their heart. He's the heart of the team. Uh, I completely agree with you. If uh, somehow, knock on wood, he he does go down, I think it would be a massive blow to the squad, uh, regardless of the options. That's a great point that you said. Um, But uh, they're unstoppable right now in Serie A. So uh, we'll see where where that goes. Um, Uh, Before we we drop off, Alex, I just wanted to mention one more stat. Lazio had 14 shots total, six on target. So it just goes to show how strong they are defensively as well. They don't only put them in back of the net, but man, they hold it down as a defensive unit as well. Like I, like we mentioned before, it's just their whole squad clicks with each other and they get it done offensively and defensively. It's uh, wow, man. I never thought I would have said this. Atalanta, a team to watch in Serie A. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's worth noting that they're doing all of this with their starting goalkeeper, Gosselini, out injured. Uh, but Sportiello exactly. is, their, is their backup. And uh, he's been uh, he's been just enough, I'll say, to get the points on the board. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on. Um, and we're still going to be talking about uh, Lazio here, uh, but not probably in the best way. So Inter-Lazio end up... Uh, uh, drawing 1-1 over the weekend. Lazio, don't forget, with two tough games back-to-back in their schedule. First, Atalanta, which we just talked about, and now against Inter Milan. Uh, and they and they lose uh, their star player, Chiro Immobile, to a questionable red card as he appeared to slap Vidal 
uh, in the face. Any thoughts on on that uh, decision? Okay, listen, we say questionable. I'm gonna say I'm gonna start off this uh, statement by saying that yes, Chiro was in the wrong. Yes, it was a stupid decision to lightly strike Vidal in the face, but I don't know, man. Did it deserve a red card? Obviously, like FIFA, they don't want to accept violent acts and this and that. But, bro, 15, 20 years ago in City, yeah, that happens. I don't even think the ref is pulling out a yellow card. Where have we gone with our game? And these refs pulling out these cards like it's uh, Christmas, giving out the freaking uh, candies, man. They got to relax. The refs have to take control of the situation and realize how serious that situation is and use VAR to that advantage to see, okay, he struck him in the face. Was it closed fist to the jaw or was it a light tap like Chiro did to Vidal's face? And then they act on a decision whether to give a red card or not. For me, it wasn't deserving of a red card. Fuck, like I mentioned to you guys before in the group, Totti used to stomp on players' faces while they were down on the ground and got away with it back in the day. Obviously, it's a bit extreme, but I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like we've gone a bit soft in football lately. And we, know, we didn't only see this in uh, Serie A this weekend. We also saw some questionable red cards in, uh, in uh, La Liga earlier this week and, uh, and what's it called, an EPL. Yeah. And it was so, the exact same thing where uh, in, in the Premier League, uh, it was like a hand to the face, essentially. I'm not going to mention players because they were talking about they're going to talk about that in the other segment. Uh, but it was the exact same idea where it was a light tap to the face or whatever it was. The player goes down and automatically the ref gives throws out the red because I was going to what I was going to say was I was going to argue that maybe it's just that one ref that was doing that. But in reality, nowadays, or at least in the last two, three seasons, it's all the refs that are doing it. They're just throwing out cards like it's nothing. Oh, it's uh, ridiculous. And even uh, even when you look at uh, Stefano Senzi's red card for Inter Milan, that game against Lazio, it's the same situation. Yep. I think uh, it was a light headbutt, or I forgot what it was. But anyways, it was a light tap yep. to, the, to the opponent's face. The opponent goal starts rolling around like he got shot from a COD Call of Duty sniper, bro. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just ridiculous. We've gone soft. I'm going to say it, bro. No holds bars. We've gone soft. I was, uh, back in my days, I was an aggressive player when I was a youngster. And uh, I was a defensive player. And, like, if I uh, did that to a player, which I never did. I was pretty fucking clean, I'll admit. But if I lightly tap the player on the head and he goes rolling around, dude, like I'm pissed if I get that red card. I didn't do anything. It's a light tap. It's nothing. Uh, like I said, it's not a closed fist to the to the jaw. Yeah, and it, it's a it's a it's a human reaction to do that at that point. You know what I mean? Like he kind of just uh, like threw out his hand and it wasn't intentional. It was more just like a light tap to the face, you know. And it was just uh, it's just unfortunate that it's come to this. Uh, and we've seen it, I think, way too much in our, in our game, in the, in the beautiful game that we love to call it. You know what I mean? But we could also say, like, these guys have got to calm down and uh, think before they act. Obviously, in the heat of the moment, you're, you're reacting with your emotions. 
it's human nature. Yep. But maybe they, as professionals, could learn from this and uh, take a step back the next time they, they want to overreact like that and maybe keep the hands down when coming face-to-face with opponents. So I will add that. But uh, yeah, man, just uh, just surprising. I don't know. Agreed. Agreed on all points. And hopefully uh, we don't see this too much this season. I think it's... Uh, uh, we've seen way too many uh, questionable calls, controversy already. Uh, I think it, it's stupid to say we're not going to see more of it as the season goes. Uh, but I just hope it, it comes, you know, down to a minimal, we'll say. For sure. And before we leave, I'll add that these players that uh, get lightly, lightly tapped on the head, if they're fucking rolling around 74 times, bro, ref, pull out the, the yellow yep. card. Like, it Absolutely. ain't that serious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one, uh, team I want to bring up before we end, uh, the segment is, uh, AC Milan. So AC Milan lose Latan to COVID, uh, but Rafael Leo, uh, steps up in his absence with a brace. So, uh, Milan with a big win, uh, against, uh, Spezia Calcio. And, uh, this squad is, is extremely young. So there's a lot to learn, um, uh, in this team, but from what I'm seeing, they're gelling very well. Their new acquisition of Brahim Diaz over the summer is proving to be an excellent one. He's already made a, a name for himself in the in the starting eleven. Yeah. Uh, Donnarumma has been fantastic at the back. Um, so can the can the young squad continue to rack up points in uh, Zlatan's absence? Listen, uh, I'll add this: uh, the the squad they faced, uh, Spezia, isn't a top squad. Let's admit that. Yeah, but. They got the they got the three points. They got three goals. They kept a clean sheet. If they could continue doing this against the bottom ten teams, then they could definitely try to crack a top six position. You know, try to get that European spot compared to last year. Um, yeah, man, they're looking good. I really like uh, the acquisition of uh, Diaz uh, through the summer. He's playing number 10 behind the striker, which you love to see. All the creativity is flowing through him. Also, Leao, the Portuguese. Uh, he's incredible. Quick feet. He's pacey. Uh, you saw this weekend, two goals, great finishing. So, uh, honestly, I think they could continue up with this pace. Shout out to Tenali as well. Theo Hernandez continuing to score from that left-back position. They could continue this. They just gotta stay focused. Yeah, and they gotta keep and they gotta keep the squad intact as well as the years go, uh, because they can really build something special off the young guys, like you mentioned, uh, Tonali, Teo Hernandez, Rafael Leal. Just those three guys. If you keep them together, uh, you can build something very nice uh, for years to come. For sure, no disagreement there. So let's remind. Um, the listeners that it is international break right now. Um, And uh, I just want to remind them also that the first two games after international break are Napoli versus Atalanta and Inter Milan versus AC Milan. So a lot to be excited for when City A returns. Um, I think that um, I'm going to go out of them and say, I think AC Milan is going to win that game against Inter. Uh, I think, Paradiso touched on it last episode where he was saying Inter don't look 
uh, 100% and he doesn't know how he feels about Conte and his decision making. So for me right now at this moment, the way AC Milan is gelling, I think they're just going to have that upper hand against, uh, against Inter and win by a goal. I can't tell you the scoreline, maybe a 2-1, maybe a 3-2, but I do have AC Milan as the upper hand in this match. And what about the uh, the Napoli Atalanta one? So I gotta go with Atalanta. I'm just uh, you're riding, riding the train. Ship. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, every time I watch this squad, every time I get so excited to see them. And I'm going against my heritage, huh? My my grandmother's Napolitan, so yeah, uh, you told me it's true. It's true. Uh, not too good to to do that, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I got to be honest with you. I'm going with Atalanta and it's going to be a high scoring Atalanta win also. So I'll I'll give my picks here. I'm going to agree with you that uh, Atalanta, uh, I do have Atalanta winning that match against Napoli. Uh, they're way too strong right now. They're, they're riding on a high. They just beat uh, a top four contender in Lazio and they're going to do the same thing to Napoli, I think. Um Not that Napoli, don't forget, Napoli's defense is still strong. They kept Koulibaly now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just feel like that attacking threat is just going to be too much to handle for Napoli, and uh, they'll win by a goal or two, I think. Um, Inter versus AC. Uh, I'm going to take Inter. Uh, I know AC's kind of on a high right now as well with a couple of wins, uh, but I just think with the depth that uh, Inter has and a bit of the quality that they have, I, I really think they'll pull away from that match with a win. You think it's going to be an all-out blowout or? Uh, no, the, the the AC, I think Atalanta one has a chance to be a blowout on their side. Uh, but the Inter-AC one, I think it's going to be a close battle though. With, uh, you're giving Inter the upper hand. I'm giving Inter the upper hand, yeah. Yeah, uh, listen, just to go back to that Atalanta-Napoli uh, prediction, um I did say it was going to be a blowout, but uh, if Gattuso stays concentrated, he gets his squad to gel and play those two defensive lines with that counterattack. I think uh, they could uh, hit Atalanta, but uh, besides that, uh, no, it's Atalanta all the way for me. Yeah. It's also worth worth noting that... um, uh, Piotr uh, Zielinski was one of the the, the the players that caught COVID, actually. So uh, in two weeks' time, he should be back in the squad. And Insigne yeah. was injured as is injured as well. So we'll see if he's able to crack that lineup and come back in time for that match. Uh, but if he's missing, then it's Atalanta for me all the way. No, no, no way for sure. <laughs> Not even with uh, Mertens there, bro. No. <laughs> I need. I think they need Insigne there too, man, on that left side. Yeah, if you have uh, those two guys uh, with their pace, uh, they could get them on the counter. But uh, no, nah, it's going to be tough for Napoli, honestly. It's going to be very tough. I don't see them uh, pulling through at all. Agreed, agreed. All right, well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the double segment. Uh, don't forget to check out our other segments as well. George and Tommy took care of the Premier League segment, so please check that out. Uh, And when you have a chance, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook at 5-1-Formation. Thank you for listening, as always, and have a good one. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Stay safe for everyone in Montreal region. 
stay indoors, do your thing, get some uh, fucking Bowflex dumbbells <laughs> for a thousand bucks. A hundred percent. But yeah, all in all, thanks for uh, for keeping up with us, man. Ciao, guys. Ciao.